0: Hey, thanks for listening to the Unsilent Church podcast. In this season of the podcast, we decided to address the topic of justice and how we might see more just societies. We've mentioned that we'd be inviting guests and we had the greatest privilege enjoying conversation with Pastor Aubrey Barnwell, senior pastor at First New Life Missionary Baptist Church in Peoria, Arizona. On the issue of justice, Christians have found themselves on opposite sides of the conversation, tensions rising about the varied involvement in social justice and whether we should be so involved. But with countless records of injustice all around us, how exactly do we overcome? Today, we get to share in the inside of someone who's actually been there and done that. We often lose the connection between spirituality and social justice, as if the body wasn't also formed by the hands of God who is spirit. Today, Pastor Barnwell reminds myself, John, and Ramon about how our spirituality extends through our humanity and into society so that we might, if even a little bit, affect change to see God's will done on earth as it is in heaven. Enjoy. Ready? We on. What's going
1: on, y'all? We are in the studio. RCC Studios, Back Like We Never Left, with another podcast episode in our... Unsilent church, where we're talking about justice and peace, our theme. Season three. Season three. All tree of y'all. You know what I mean? Season tree. You know, you know, from the south, you say the tree, the three. No.
0: No, like when you play dominoes and you say trees, please. Say trees, please. Yeah, yeah, something you know, like that. That's a Anyways. black thing.
1: Um we got a special guest in the building today.
0: We're going to sit at the Unselling Church. It's a, <laughs> it's a black thing. Hey, welcome to the Unselling Church. It's a black thing. It's a black thing. Um,
1: but today we do have a special guest in the building, the legendary Pastor Aubrey Barnwell legendary legendary hey take that one take that on, you can take legendary you got pastor Bonwell in the building he is the lead pastor of first new life church in south phoenix south side stand up stand up Stand up and then he's also the president chairperson chairperson pardon me of the double a triple c and let me get this right tell there. them what that mean african american Christian clergy coalition. I practiced that before I got in here, it just so you good. know. So, yeah, we got uh Pastor Barnwell in the building, and of course, we got our regular hosts, Pastor Ramon James. And Hello, me. But today, we're going to be talking about overcoming injustice, and I couldn't think of a better person to really talk about this as we think about overcoming justice. But before we get into all of that, Pastor Barnwell, um, man, just give us a, a background a little bit about. You know um, where you come from, wow, who you are, that's a big question. all that type of stuff. Let the people know uh, a little bit about your background as a pastor. So I've been here.
2: Thank you for having me. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to share with your brothers. And uh, um, I've been back in Phoenix now since two thousand and three.
0: Mm, nice.
2: um, we came here in nineteen sixty five. Come on now, okay. And so it's oh, legendary. Um, so when we got. <laughs> Thank you. See, that's what I was saying. Make me feel old. But uh, um, in 1965, we showed up here, and my father was in the service. And uh, so he was coming from Vietnam, and Hmm. my mother's Canadian, so we were coming from uh, Nova Scotia, um, spending time with my grandparents there while he was overseas. And so we came here. He um, had already been here before, was part of uh, Pilgrim Rest. Okay. Nice. And, uh, under Reverend H.Y. Stevenson. So he was um, that's where he was licensed and uh, he preached there. So he was desiring to be back mm-hmm. there. So we came back here um, from there. He um, was called a pastor. So he's bivocational. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in the Air Force and pastoring. Mm-hmm. And wow. so he pastored uh, um, in South Phoenix. Uh, when he came to the church, it was almost not a church. You could say it was a church plant. Um, they mm. called him to the church. Interestingly enough, the church was, uh, started by a uh, white gentleman out of, uh, Maricopa. And mm-hmm. it would, would be considered a, uh, migrant worker church. Okay. Interesting. So it moved okay. around wherever the workers were and oh, someone okay. decided eventually just to plant it and nice. let it be stable. Um, the pastor who was there um, was also, I guess it was my room worker, because he ended up going to Fresno and then called mm-hmm. back and said, I'm not coming back. And so I wow. need to find a pastor. And so they called wow. my father. Wow. And so he went over. It was a family of about uh, nine, um, about two adults and a few children. And he started pastoring it and grew it from there. Nine um, people. That was the total number. Of- that was about nine people. Wow. Wow. And uh, and so <laughs> that's, he. That's big. That's big. Yes, and it was interesting because of the community, you know, currently when we talk about a uh, a um, a community where houses are building, I, I don't know if we still use the word track homes, but um, but there was a whole community that lived there, mm. um, and this was the church of that community. It was a four room house. Um, I didn't the church was a bedroom. I didn't say four. I said four rooms. That's it. Wow, four rooms and an outhouse. So, uh, in 1965, but anyway, um, (laughs) that, that, um, so we went over, my father, um, prayed through that whole process, um, and his journey, um, we ended up, he ended up getting stationed in, uh, Anaheim, California. So Mm. he went and they prayed about what they were going to do. So they ended up going back and forth. Mm. Um, for three years, we traveled from Phoenix to Anaheim, coming back on the weekends, For three years. Church grew while we were doing that. Uh, Who knew? Um, Mm -hmm. But um, after that, he came in, he um, retired from the Air Force and Mm -hmm. went into full time ministry. Um, But he wasn't able, church wasn't able to fully support him. So he Mm -hmm. did part time um, ministry and also he worked for the state. And in doing that, um, this is sort of my story of how I ended up coming. To. He began to, kn- to learn people within the, the government. He mm-hmm. got to know the city officials. Uh, he got to know the America- the uh, uh, county officials. Go. He got huh. to know the state. So as these individuals were taking roles, they kept growing mm-hmm. and moving in different positions. So he had relationship with them. There it is. Um, he was felt called. And this is, this is the key, I think, for us as, uh, um, as pastors. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, he told my mother, he said, um, I could do so much more for the church and for the community if I wasn't working. Mm-hmm. I said, if I could, if I could get his I saw the opportunity, I saw a vision of being able to connect to these people, but actually being able to use the influence that I have in a better way. Mm-hmm. And my mother told him, she said, quit. So mm-hmm. um, so mm-hmm. she he quit his government job. And uh went full time pastoring. Wow. Um one of the few huh. in the in the valley at the time That's that really was cool. full time pastoring. <laughs> Legendary, see? Yeah. Tell him it's in your
1: blood. See, what can I say? So um it's also interesting too because some people may even could flip that and say, Well, I'm not gonna pastor, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go full time government, government. Right. government. It's interesting that he said the opposite.
2: And it was, I think his passion, um, I don't know for those who are are familiar with, uh, the Phoenix area, um, that connection came and I, I, when, um, Councilman Good Mm -hmm. came in, Mm. um, one of the women who was really close to us lived right next door to Councilman Good. And so I remember Councilman Good when he first got into office and dad was very involved with, with all of that. And so, Mm. um, it really influenced mm-hmm. the city, mm-hmm. uh, influenced the state, and um, and you question sometimes. You know, is that really necessary? Because he, he took a lot of heat for being involved in yeah. in never running for office, never actually, you know even thinking about running for office, mm-hmm. but being that that priest, if yeah. you will, to to the mm. government, being taking that role mm. and not really being having to report to anyone because it was just the church. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's that's super interesting. I I feel like we should read the passage because there are a number of things in there. But I well, I,
3: wanna, I, I feel like I, I, I feel I, like we need <laughs> to leave
0: I, I feel like we gotta we gotta we need more from like
3: yeah, a lot of there's there's so there. much there. Like you, uh, you, said this idea of being a priest to to the government. Mm. I mean, that's that's a really you're 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 talking about uh, as pastors having an intentional, having intentionally in our minds a way in which we are interfacing interacting with the government as as and, and fully as pastors. And I, I do think, and I think people, not enough people appreciate this. There's a particular that's particularly embedded in what it means to be a black pastor. I think, mm. I think that's. Mm. Th- necessary right well, I that, I, that I think <laughs> that, <laughs> that, honestly I think uh, um, given the history of black people in this country um, black pastors have had to step into this role in a way that I think white pastors haven't oh, had it yeah, had to right yeah. right yeah, right. yeah. Um, and so since some people I think have trouble understanding that like he was he's a pastor preaching the Bible all that kind of stuff but this idea of I mean I'll talk a little bit more about that and is that's that's something do you use, continue to to hold to that is that something maybe even that's in the mind of W A triple C in terms of what, what the role of clergy is Interfacing mm. with the government?
2: It is. I think one of the things that when we look at inherently why we ended up with a black church and a white church. yeah, mm. And that was one of the things that happened is that the black pastor was the individual who was free enough to be able to speak on behalf of everyone else.
0: Yeah. Mm. That's interesting that you say that, free enough. Because, the black pastor was free right. enough. Because what
2: happened was they were not beholding
0: um, to, to mm.
2: any other white entity. That's interesting. interesting.
0: Yeah, that's a, I. That sounds like you just flipped something because for so many that, people they would have thought, oh, well, right. black people haven't been free, and you're like, well, actually, it might be the other way around. Like black <laughs> people have been more free, and the others have been actually caught under the like under these handcuffs, money, and you know, reputation and the status and all this. Other I think stuff. you're saying like, the
3: black like, pastor though, particularly <clears throat> in the black community, because their 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 support, their friend their um their livelihood is not dependent it's not on dependent upon white, white institutions. But that's so what so I'm them, saying. Yeah. The money, the
0: status, yeah. the reputation right. doesn't yeah. come from the population that they like. It doesn't yeah, but I'm come talking from about, But I
3: think black pastors or, uniquely know, but, yeah. in the yeah. black community. So like, yeah. So then black church, there's a number of people who are, you know, because like they're maids in the, exactly. in the white homes or they're mm-hmm. working you could say some things yeah they're they're the clerks in the and the and secretaries wow. yeah. or custodial and the oh white you saying full time full
1: time yeah, yeah yeah so like, like a black pastors specifically yeah. like a
3: past black pastor specifically for sure for black sure pastor specifically right. so so a lot of them so a lot of those people i mean we know this right um, a lot of black people who are working in these in these sort of white spaces <laughs> in you know most of the 20th century um, yeah, had to be careful. And, and, right. and that's why, too, why, why the Montgomery bus boycott was such a huge thing. Like, right. they put it all on the line. Mm-hmm. But all along the way, you're saying black pastors have had a, a unique way to sort of speak truth to power. That's very fascinating. And one of the reasons, among other things, is um, because, yeah, they weren't that, – that's one of the few positions that was entirely sort of supported by the black community. Exactly. Which sort of frees you. No, right. Yes, To be almost like John the oh, Baptist. For to, sure. Yes. To the Right. Wow. At that point, you know, those white institutions that were doing segregation and all those other things.
0: But so. I'm saying that's I don't I don't know if that's freedom that I haven't heard people speak about freedom that way. Because when I hear people talk about black history, they don't say like Oh, Have you realized that one of the freest people within black history have been the black pastor? Right, that's man. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm that's saying right. I haven't heard people say that. That's what I'm saying is a flip. Well, that's why Pastor Barnwell is <clears throat> <was> legendary. Because
1: <laughs>
3: that's what i why. Like, saying. That's why he's <laughs> here. Right. right? <laughs> it's a black thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you've always had that in you, that, that sense of like, hey, I, we need I'm, to speak. I need to speak on behalf of the people. You know what? I, would I think be, you were kind
2: of born into it. I was, but but I'll be honest with you. Mm. I, because of being a part of, of our culture, and part of what we realize is that some things happened during the civil rights mm-hmm. that sort of changed and tried to reshape our thoughts about what we should be involved with. Mm-hmm. Um, King took a lot of hits. When he went forth and began to speak, Mm -hmm. and and it came not necessarily from 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 the white, but it also came from black churches as well, because they said, "Listen, you need to go back to the pulpit, and you need to stay out of that stuff, that government stuff. Just really just preach about piety, just preach the gospel, just save souls. If we everybody gets saved, we'll be fine." And black moderates and um and so but he wow. and he took so much heat for it and I remember being growing up you know because my father's pastor and I remember him doing all that he was doing going to places mm-hmm. and um during the king um the king uh, the holiday he and mm-hmm. pastor Stewart and a number of them had gotten together and they
3: were moving towards that so it explains for people who don't know um. Uh- Arizona was one of the was the last state in the last nation day, yes. to acknowledge uh, Martin Luther King as uh, as a, as oh, a holiday. Right. And it they was the only they, state they it was the
2: it. only state that had it on the ballot that
0: ha- we had to actually vote for to take place. Yeah. Yeah. So we should say that slow because I don't know if people know that. That's some of that stuff that hits really close to home. Yeah, Yeah. Well. yeah. They he
2: was. And the funny thing about that, moving this campaign, and they did marches and vigils and, wow. and all kinds of things that, that took place to try to get the holiday. Mm-hmm. The holiday was actually um, agreed to, and then uh, the governor at the time vetoed it. And wow. so um, he reversed it, and that's why it ended up having to be on the ballot. But in doing that, um, he, his life was threatened. Um, Your dad, had, my dad. Yeah, mm, he would get death phone calls, death threats. Yes, um, him, mm. and Pastor Stewart, all of those who were wow. out front um, took death threats, and that's one of the reasons that when I, we talk about why the pastor was able, be they were able to do that, they were able to speak because. If, if you start cutting off resources, if you have a family and that, mm-hmm. you realize you can't be dependent upon those mm-hmm. who are contradicting you yeah. or who are against wow. you. And wow. so when you have a group of people who said, we need you to go forward and speak for us because we can't speak for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so um, that, so when I watched this growing up again and watching him doing all of that, and, and here's the other thing, being, being a pastor's son, um, you want a relationship with your dad mm-hmm. you want a relationship with your family and and so he was pulled away so my mm. thought was i don't have nothing to do with mm. with uh, public politics politicians mm. none of that i don't want i have nothing to do with that and then when the lord called me to pastor and i began to pastor and the vision came and our vision was that we were going to impact the community socially spiritually and economically And I began Mm -hmm. to recognize, how are you going to do that just sitting in this building? Mm -hmm. How how are you going to do this? Mm -hmm. And I realized that dad, uh, my father, had given me, Bishop Henry L. Barnwell, had given me a runway. He had given me uh, doors Mm -hmm. of opportunity for me to have connections with people of influence Mm -hmm. and being able to do that and realizing he said, I gave you a tool, yeah. so like David. Yeah. I gave you the tool, hmm. and now you need to use the tool that I gave you. Yeah, that's so, good. Um, you've been rejecting it, but now I need you to use it. Wow. And so it's been a blessing to be able to connect with those who are in power um, and, and from a political perspective. Um, and, I, you know, I think one of the things that we don't always understand is the, the level of respect that mm-hmm. we get. Um, and they're looking for spiritual direction, um, yeah. because sometimes wow. when we so people don't go into, that. <laughs> sometimes when we go into into a place of uh, 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 in political arenas, we think we need to be relevant, mm. but what they're really looking for is spiritual.
3: Yeah, really. And this is true. Huh. I mean, you're talking just in general, like even some of the politicians uh, and others who are there who aren't maybe overtly Christian, who. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they're not, you would think like, oh yeah, they're, they would not be interested in any of this, but they, they have an inherent need for spiritual direction. And I think the black pastor has unique ability to speak to them, unlike maybe other mm-hmm. pastors.
1: Yes. Yeah. Pastor Marwell, one of the things that, obviously you wear a couple of different hats, one being a pastor, but one also being heavily involved in the AACCC. Um, and some of the stuff that you mentioned ties into some of the advocacy and the initiatives, justice initiatives that the C have done um, just for our listeners, um, can you give a quick little synopsis of what is the C, the history of it, and obviously the hat that you wear with it?
2: History of AACCC a- C is, I, th- I think it's threefold. The first one was, years ago, it was called the Ministerial Alliance.
1: Ministerial Alliance, okay.
2: And every city, basically every, every um, uh, state or wherever there was a group of black, pastors they got together and it was the ministerial alliance that was got where it. they connected. Um, that's where we see even King that was part of how that movement started was from mm-hmm. the alliance that pastors had together mm-hmm. um, that that but that was geared towards specifically um, the um, civil rights. Mm. So a lot of that had to deal with you know uh, the quest to civil rights. Mm-hmm. After civil rights um, had been, quote unquote, achieved to some extent, Mm -hmm. the the urgency and the um, the uh, um, that needed to take place or that was there was no longer there. Right. So it wasn't urgent anymore. We we, now we have, quote unquote, voting rights. So Mm. now now. Now what do we gather for? Mm. Now what, what are we fighting for now? Right. What, what are we going for now? Um, especially when we think about segregation and after, you know, you, everybody's integrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're going allegedly. to schools. <laughs> allegedly, right. <laughs> this stuff that is supposed to happen. Right. And so we become sort of um, numb to some of the things that are still taking place. Mm-hmm. And so um, so they then gathered around the holiday and after mm. they got the holiday here in, in Arizona um again now we're in another what are we mm-hmm. fighting for mm-hmm. and uh pastor bishop uh, Thomas uh Alexis Thomas um
1: Pilgrim Rest Pilgrim Rest like, right
2: yeah. Pastoring one of the largest churches in in the valley um identified I should say one of the largest black churches in the valley identified that hey I I don't pastor the city mm-hmm. um I need the other pastors, I need the other clergy to come together because what needs to take place, the issues that we're having, is not going to be done by just one pastor, yeah. mm-hmm. um, by one church. It's going to require us to come together, um, to have that influence, uh, power and unity. And so he was mm-hmm. the birth, he was the begin. he was the one who started uh, the uh, conversation about uh, AACCCC. Um, he then reached out to Warren Stewart, um, one of the uh, statesmen, I think he's a legend. Um, and, <laughs> and so they came together and uh, established a double A triple C. And that was in maybe 2001, 2002. Oh, okay. And wow. uh, so by the time I got here in 2003, they had already formed. Um, and so they were working together. Um, they were still de- trying to determine what exactly that, central theme was what we're going to work on. Um, but they gathered, um, pastors came from across, uh, the Valley came to be a part of that on a weekly basis on monthly basis. Mm -hmm. Um, and so so now we have established, um, and and put some structure after uh, Bishop Thomas passed, um, Pastor Stewart took leadership mm-hmm. and he cast a vision for us that we ultimately are coming together to enrich one one of lives mm-hmm. to address um, economic and uh, social issues that affect our, our justice issues that affect the community, the black community. Um, and so he brought the vision to it. And then we put some structure around it and identified mm-hmm. that we have, I believe it's five sectors. Mm-hmm. Um, we have personal enrichment. Um, which is designed to enrich the the clergy, mm-hmm. um, regardless of what your title or position is. Uh, we have the uh, civic engagement, of mm-hmm. course. Um, we have economics, identifying what we do economically mm-hmm. to support our communities, the churches, and the t- uh, churches where they serve. Um, mm-hmm. Education. The education, uh, Evangelism is one we just added, um, and we added that because I, I realized that there are some things that there's some barriers to Mm -hmm. us evangelizing Mm -hmm. um, in our community Mm -hmm. that we don't recognize because we've done it like this for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, And that there are some things that work in one community that will not work in ours. Um, And so, um, especially when, when, when we are sometimes portraying, uh Jesus as a white man or white blue eyed man, we've gotta address mm-hmm. hey. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's not that's not valid and so because mm-hmm. it can be an immediate rejection of who he who he is and who he um mm-hmm. represents. Um and then um the last one we have what was it? Um I missed one. I think that's five you
0: said education, yeah, you yeah, said civic, five. you mm-hmm. said personal, um economic and then See, you got a test <laughs> and then evangelism. Right. Yeah, okay. Right. I think I got, got them all. Got I, them all. Yeah, I yeah. think I got, got them all. It. Yeah.
2: So, so that's what uh, a, a triple C
1: is designed yeah. to do and purposed. And you just, um, there was a transition. Yes. That happened. You want to speak about that? too? So
2: I've transitioned. Uh, actually, um, I was the director for operations, um, for four years, and um, I was just elected as the chairperson now mm. uh, for the next two years. I have a two-year term. Look at and that, so, man. Um, told legendary, you, man. Legendary. Legendary.
1: Yeah. Well, look at you. I see you.
2: So I, re- I rejected that. <laughs> <laughs> but nope. wait a minute. I told him I said, because well, they did it about Two and a half years ago, they voted. Pastor Stewart said, Who's going to follow me? So he's like, I want to make sure that that uh, I'm not planning on doing this. So he said, So who's going to take it? So they started nominating me. So they nominated me. And I was like, Okay, that's a couple of years away. Um, by the time it gets there, somebody else will be
0: able to take it. <laughs> and God said, No. <laughs> <laughs> um, could you, so to speak, to how you understand the relationship between. You, you mentioned the vision of your church being, um, around, uh, you said socially, Economical spiritually, yes. and economically. Yeah. And so I was interested in the way that you saw how justice played a part in that. Like why those three as the sort of like pyramid of your vision. Um, you know, and, and again, as you're talking about barriers and like, and again, as you tell the story, there's so many things that like, I want to pull threads on. Um, but to hear how you think about the role justice plays when you're trying to form people spiritually, socially and economically and why those why it's important to say that. I think one of
2: the things that that I realize and, and when we observe it, there are areas within our community that are um, that our community are deprived of.
4: hmm. Mm.
2: Um, Some of it is it has been uh, history of what we've gone through. Some of it has to do with just not having access.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: Economically, we realize that economically we have we didn't start out on the same plane. Mm -hmm. And to say that, you know, now everyone is uh, economically equal says that's not true. Um, that your wealth came from the fact that there were those who didn't get paid, who did not mm. get uh, opportunity to share in the wealth. And mm-hmm. so now we're behind. And so now you say, well, now you can go get a job and do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think about it, and we realize educationally, mm-hmm. um, there's costs associated with that. Right. Um, so we start, you have wealth that you had that was available for you to actually pay, pay for, uh, for for education. Others did not have that opportunity. In fact, it was not necessarily instilled in uh, a generation. My generation um, uh, is is one that we began to talk about the fact that you could actually
0: go to school. Mm-hmm. Before then, it wasn't even a conversation. It wasn't a conversation. It mm-hmm. was,
2: you know, finish high school, um, if that. Yeah. Um, my mom, it was funny, my mom was, is, is really brilliant. She, um, and she And she's from Canada. Um, but she um she skipped grades mm. um, and so um, and so she had to leave her hometown to go to the city to actually go to high school. Um, but she never went to high school, but she came here and she she loved to read and so there was this self-education, mm-hmm. but the opportunities were not necessarily afforded. so as far as college went, that wasn't really a thought. yeah, um, and I think that that's one of the areas. Uh, when I think about social ills even, um, when it comes to trauma, mm-hmm. we are a traumatized community. Mm-hmm. We've come, we've come through a whole mm. lot of things that others. This is generational. Right. When you have families, my father um, talked about um, he, as a child looking outside of his grandmother's um, window and seeing a man lynched.
4: Mm. Wow. Dang.
2: I was, I was, man, I was like, and mm. I didn't find out, I didn't find that out until maybe three or four years before he passed. Whoa. And um, he said, "You know, he, yeah, I saw that." And I kept wondering, why isn't he more bitter? Yeah, yeah. I, ne- I never yeah. heard him talk bitterly about white folks or any. I was, "Why? What is this within him that gave him the ability to not allow that to jade him, mm-hmm. or to mess? You know, to 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 really shape his thoughts and to be angry? Mm-hmm. Um, he was able to get past it." And and I think that's part of the the social uh, understanding. So what do I do? What how do we deal with the community who is still in some ways being ravaged? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so um, making sure that they have access. I remember who's now working uh, they call it the Arizona uh, black therapists um, Hmm. coming together because um, we don't know they exist. And, and so now they're coming together and saying, listen, we want you to know we're here. We're available yeah. um, so that you can have someone who understands your your plight, your journey, your story yeah. and be able to connect. So those are the kinds of things I th- when I think I think about socially, economically and spiritually that I'm looking for.
3: You know, a couple of things you mentioned there, I mean, just for, especially for those who've been listening to our podcast for a while. Just point out, I mean, like one of the things we've always mentioned is like people think like a lot of these things related to sort of systemic racism and other things happened like way long time ago. Right. <laughs> like, you know, and like we're over that, like, and sort of thing like slavery, like that was right? then. Um, Like, you know, Pastor Barnwell just said like his dad, right. Looked out the window and saw a man Lynch, his dad. That's crazy. Right. That's so wild. like, that's not, that's not a long time. That's not a long time ago. Right. Like, that's, I mean, we're talking with someone in the studio right now whose dad, saw a man lynched That's right wild. and think yeah. about how that affected his dad how that probably even affected how he parented you know the the and how that i mean so you this is where too the like the, i often say the lingering effects of systemic racism right which is a way of me cool. saying like i'm not acting as if like that i'm praise god like I don't, I don't my kids have never worried about seeing that right and so i'm thankful like there's some things that are better right but like we have d- done nothing to deal with the fact like that this is the majority of our history in this country, mm-hmm. like that, that's what that's the experience, and now yeah. we're sort of still living in the wake of that. Yeah. And what does that do to a people where, like, that is where our parents experienced that, and so that affected how they parented, that affects us now, yes. how we mm-hmm. parent. Um, as you know, there's continuing to be things that uh, that black people in this country face, how do we process that, how do we deal with that? I mean, all those different things <clears throat> are, are relevant questions, and they're spiritual questions, yes. right? And I, right? And you all you right. sort of touched on this all as well, 100%. That I mean, I would I would argue that part of what helped him was his his faith in the Lord. Yes. Um, he had every reason to basically hate white people, right? And yes. you're saying he mm. he didn't, and and so the, the importance of faith. But then, of course, there's the importance of like mental health and other things to how we sort of think through yeah. and deal mm-hmm. with these things. So all these things, I think, come together in really important ways, tied into. The very sort of, the, if there's one thing you're hearing from the unsilent church, is like our history matters. Right. It still matters. Yeah. We're still living in the wake of that. And <clears throat> we need to draw on all the resources available to continue to sort of move away from that, but not just move away from that, move into something better and healthier that our country still has yet to gain. You mentioned
1: about the, the lingering effects of, of uh, racism and your pop seeing um, somebody hung and lynched. Um, and obviously you mentioned that like your kids you know they don't have to deal with that, but um, I mean, a couple of years ago they did have to deal with yeah, somebody, writing on the wall. Uh, putting mm-hmm. the N word um, on your on your front yeah. door. Yeah, that's true. So it was like
0: literally popped in my mind when you said that. I was like, like yeah. so like <laughs> the ling- going back to what you're Sorry, saying. Actual, about that, the, yeah. linger, the lingering effects is like okay, it was <laughs> it was
1: that, but then you see, so you see it. There's fingerprints of that injustices that tend to happen, um, and obviously, when we want to think about injustice. It's good to. It's healthy to talk about it. It's healthy to to, to process. But it's also helpful to, to think about how do we overcome injustice, right? Yeah. And some of the things that you even mentioned with Dr. King and, and others uh, was in a step in that direction. Um, I guess there's, there's a way of like when we think about Psalm 119, and maybe just some things that obviously you have some expertise to. What are some ways that we can think about overcoming injustice? I think there's a
2: there's a an understanding as it relates to how we came to actually having our voting rights.
1: Mm. Okay. okay.
2: I think there's a mis- misconception that everyone in the Congress at the time voted.
0: Wanted that to <laughs> happen. Wanted to happen. Hey man, people romanticize Martin Luther King. I was like, you do realize he's on the FBI's in front <laughs> of this, right? Yo. Like, he was assassinated. He didn't die a long, he didn't die from old age. He wow. was assassinated. <laughs> like, I was wow. like,
2: and and wow. and sometimes yeah. we we miss the fact that there was one third of the Congress who did not vote for voting rights. That's a lot of people, isn't it? And and I th- and when we think about that, wow. I, I I thought about um, so I went on a uh, Freedom Ride last year for voting rights, and I went to uh, Montgomery, and they have a a, a, a monument there. It's called the Peace Monument, and it is a place where they um, uh, memorialized um, the lynching of over 4,000 more people who actually were lynched. The thing that broke me down and brought me to tears was I watched and I read one of the placards there that identified um, that there was still no anti-lynching bill that had been passed. I've been seeing that in Congress. Yeah, it <laughs> that had, they were trying to do It that. had gone through one, almost like the voting bills. It mm-hmm. had went through the House and passed. It got to the to the uh, Senate and it was filibustered. Mm-hmm. Um, that it, and so it wasn't until a couple of months ago mm-hmm. that we actually just now have just got it. And I was I was sitting <laughs> there thinking, in what world? And and what what universe would lynching be okay? One of the stories for 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 the uh, lynching was a man who was lynched in front of his wife and his wife refused to leave. She was pregnant. Mm. And because she refused to leave, they lynched her and then cut the baby out of her.
4: Mm.
2: In what universe would you not make that illegal? And I realized that, said so, so when we start talking about the fact that we need to have voting rights, that I, I believe what we saw happened um, in this last uh, election in 2020, one of the things that was powerful to me was I believe that if we all use what we've been given, the ability to vote, and we had record number of individuals who voted, the highest number of people who have mm-hmm. voted ever in history mm-hmm. and what did they mm-hmm. do they voted for the man who they believe represented more of who we are than the man who did not mm-hmm. they they identified that listen that that this is what we say we stand for mm-hmm. and we believe that and i believe when we when we think about if everyone uses it wasn't it wasn't uh, uh, there was no corruption. There was no, you know, they tried to find it like they did Jesus. You know, they're trying to find something, <laughs> something wrong. He's got to something. Dis- he's got to find something. We, we, it's somewhere in here. And then mm-hmm. I find no fault. Pontius Pilate. I find <laughs> no fault. I find no fault in this. That's and funny. and I believe that everything that has taken place after that has tried to stop those individuals, stop individuals using what God has given us, Mm -hmm. the ability to speak as believers. If we are uh, a a country who we identify that we are a God-fearing country, Mm -hmm. sort of put it on our money, we've put it out there, we've declared it, then everyone who is part of this country should have the ability to actually Mm -hmm. vote. And if that's the case, I believe that, I believe things all work together. It'll
3: work out. And I think it's it's important that what we're saying is, and I, well, I think it's important for people to realize like why that's so important for the Black community that we, when you, we, most most of our country's history was spent uh, with Black people being unable to to vote, period. And then when we tried to vote, um, all these roadblocks were placed in uh, fines and literacy tests and all these other things. And so that's that's one of the most precious rights that we've we've earned, uh, the right to vote. So it should be no surprise that we as a white community are going to, to have objections when it seems like it's being made harder to vote, right? right. And I think mm-hmm. that and, and sort of people understand what, what, what's going on here. It's not as if, because um, I know some people, some of the ways in which people will, will, will sort of push back and say, well, you, you all can vote. We don't, there's no literacy test, <laughs> there's no this, there's no that, et cetera. But it's, it's way more than, than just that, right? It it's, you know, are we, are, you, are we doing everything possible to make sure after so many years, black people not having the right to vote. Are uh, we doing everything possible to make it as, as easy and as simple as possible for black people to vote? Um, and that we should be super sensitive to any barriers towards that. And I think mean, that's my understanding of sort right. of what the, the, the mission really is here.
2: Um, and, and justice. Think about this though, when, when, when we were three fifths, mm-hmm. one of the reasons for the three fifths <laughs> were because they, our population would shift a vote. Mm hmm. Yeah. So they said, listen, you got, yeah, you got a whole lot, but they can't all count. They, their votes can't count. They can vote, but it's not going to count. It's going to take three of them to make one of y'all. And, and so that's crazy. And so so then when, when that didn't work, they said, well, then what we're going to do is we'll create some hoops. Right. So then we have mm-hmm. the poll tax. Now, now they can't pay because now they have to pay to do this. So now we so now where are we at now? We're still trying to discount it. Mm-hmm. And I believe from a justice perspective, we're saying everyone should be able to vote. Yeah.
3: This, I, yeah, that's <laughs> actually, that's what, you know, I like that because that's, you know, black people being able to vote as freely and easily as possible benefits everyone. Yes. Right. And so in some ways, like, it's, this is it's to the benefit of, of the white community for black people to be able to freely vote, right? And because actually there's coalitions that form, right? between mm-hmm. Black and white people for things that benefit all of us. Exactly. Right? So mm-hmm. this is the, the fact that, that there's disenfranchisement, and disenfranchisement, did I say that right? Yeah. Um, and it's for, for our community, isn't just like, oh, that's just for them to worry about. It's yeah. something that has sort of ripple effects wow. that it's yeah. better for all races and all ethnicities, for all peoples, when we are saying how how can we take down more barriers? <laughs> like, oh, how can right. we encourage more voting? How can all the things possible? How can we make sure that people um, don't have to stand in line for you know hours at a time in order in order to vote? Or how do we increase opportunities for people to vote? All those things benefit all of us it, it, it increase it is a it's a it's a it's a social good for all peoples. Yeah. I know they talk about
0: voting rights being a human right. And I and I often think about how sometimes a lot of social activism gets separated from what spirituality is. Um, I think because sometimes we separate humanity from spirituality. I, I don't know if you, we've, you've read books a lot. Like There's a guy who, uh, Francis, I think his name is Francis Schaefer. Lewis Barry Schaefer. Uh, he's a DTS guy. Uh, wrote a book called... Uh, he that is spiritual. And I think that, uh, one of the big concepts and some other authors have wrote the same thing, but it's like, everything is spiritual. And I think sometimes we think about the physical activities that we do, our body, you know, social rights, um, you know, eating social activity, gathering, you know, all the things that, that we do on a normal basis, we treat that like it's, um, like it's just like, it's fleeting. Right? And, we, and we understand that the body does decay, and it is fleeting, but it's sometimes I, I do think sometimes we need to be reminded that the inheritance that we wait for is the redemption of our bodies. And so I think there is a nature in which the fact that we're made in the image of God means that the things that we do are spiritual as they're intended to represent God's character and his likeness so that the world understands a little bit better what he's like, right on earth as it is in heaven. And so I'd, I'd love to just hear you speak about how – how some of these like social activities really affect people's spirituality because you, you think about somebody whose voice is taken from them, right? You think about someone who's named three fifths. It's like, no, you're not a person. You're three fifths of a person. No, you're not a person. You're property. No, you're not a person in the sense that you can live in the same neighborhood. You're only good enough to to live in that neighborhood and you can't come through the front. You got you to come through the back and i can't go to that vet because if i hear that my vet worked on your parents and again this is chris rock's mother and so chris rock we'll talk about that in another episode but but i remember him even talking about his mom saying no, no my mother had to walk in the back. through the back of a vet, a vet hospital because people felt like if they saw the vet work on someone black they wouldn't bring their pets to them like That's so i'm crazy. saying that that kind of huh. social uh, reality what that does when somebody's praying right when you look outside and you see someone lynched what and then and then they're saying well you're you're made in the image of God I am and that person is and so why does this happen to me and not them right I mean we we know authors who've wrote about all this stuff but I'd love to just hear like their perspective as you talk about forming people socially economically spiritually uh, with education and all of that to speak to the tie to what it does to them spiritually and their spiritual disciplines and how how Yes, we are looking to the future, but what happens now affects that also.
2: What came to mind when you talked about the three-fifths, and I, I share this during, especially when we're during, uh during election seasons when we're voting, I said, I, I'm reminded of this, the uh, the parable of the talents. Mm-hmm. And what what Jesus says is that one was given five, one was given three, and one was given one. Mm-hmm. And I associate our voting rights with one talent.
4: Mm.
2: I'm responsible for that one talent. And when I'm thinking about what do I do with this one talent, I want to invest it as God would have me to invest it.
4: Mm.
2: Who is it that that God has given me um, peace at there are those who said, I didn't find peace with either, and they threw the talent away. They said, mm-hmm. I just voted for somebody. I knew they weren't going to win. But I could not vote for either one of these. They were two. And I think when you think about that from a spiritual perspective, mm-hmm. right, is when we come to decisions, what, what uh, James said was, he said, you're going to have diverse choices. I said, you're going ha- to come up with all these diverse choices. He said, and what do you do when you lack wisdom to know? Mm-hmm. He said, pray to me. He said, they could be two good choices or two bad choices, but or, or one good and one bad. Here's what, I, just bring it to me, and I'll give you wisdom. Mm. And I think we deflate um, and we, um, the gate individual's ability to recognize that they have a relationship and can have a relationship with God, that he will give them clarity. Mm. Um, when I think about you know, my dad and even him going to Vietnam, and I remember him telling, me, t- telling this testimony all the time. And I used to get tired of hearing him. I was in a war-torn, alley, <laughs> a, a war-torn country of, of Vietnam. and I promised the Lord that if, I was like, how many <laughs> times you got to hear about this? But I did not realize mm-hmm. at the time the trauma, because he, he got shot while he was there. Mm. But why he was there and the way that he was treated, right? Um, and then he came back here. Um, and, and I didn't find out until later that he had PTSD, mm. but the way that the vets were treated and the way that they experienced, I watched as some of them were able to thrive. Um, they continued to press through because of faith. Mm-hmm. There were those who came back different and they said, you know, what, what happened to them? What happened? They came and they came back. And many of them I didn't recognize at the time that had gone through that kind of trauma, And I think when we think about that being a major trauma, a daily trauma, Mm -hmm. is the fact that when we see someone who is actually murdered and everyone sees it and everyone talks, that's what happened when uh, George Floyd. Mm -hmm. That whole thing, um, even when I think of Ferguson, Mm -hmm. and when Ferguson came out and, uh, and I said, how did this happen? And when we found out that the town was predominantly black.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. How did this happen? And I began to to realize that there was a, a negation. They negated to do what they had the power to do.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You're empowered to make a change. Right. You're empowered to make a difference. You're empowered. And where is that voice coming from? Who's speaking Mm. into that? Who's, who's speaking that prophetic voice Mm -hmm. that I have Mm -hmm. given you power. I've empowered you to be able to make a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know that, that I believe that's from a spiritual perspective um, that there is, because there's, there is this, you know, never mind that I'm going to do my own thing. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be a part of that. That's, that's not going to lead anywhere. My vote don't count.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: Right. Um, And I I talked to a number of young people. I'm, my vote don't count nowhere. I'm not gonna use it. And so, what is that mm-hmm. to me? That's spiritual, because you're believing a lie,
4: mm-hmm.
2: and that's called a stronghold. Mm-hmm. Especially when you keep doing it over and over again, you realize I've empowered you to make a difference. I've empowered you to make a change, but you're saying my vote don't count.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: So, how do we speak to someone and realize and be able to uh, integrate with them or be able to speak to them and say, "Listen." Your vote does count.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You count. You matter. You have value.
1: Yeah,
4: mm.
3: yeah, because God's giving it to them. Yes. Amen.
1: Pastor Bonwell, thank you for your expertise, great. your history. Uh, I mean, I'm legendary uh, some, insight. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean,
2: <laughs> you keep saying that legendary. You gonna make hey, me man, sound? I'm, I'm
0: I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs>
1: No, but seriously, so I mean, just just the historical analysis of just some of the stuff here in Arizona that you was able to, to bring about. Oh, yeah. So many different things that I, I need to listen <laughs>
3: back
1: to this episode <laughs> at least two times, <laughs> not once, but twice just to get some. I mean, that whole that whole conversation about the priests to the government thing. I mean, uh, anyways, thank you for being a part of it. I appreciate um, you. Yeah, this was good. Listen. This episode was amazing uh, Audience so I need you to listen to it And I also need you to subscribe To our
0: What um, do I need to subscribe to James? Uh, subscribe to the podcast everywhere podcasts Are available there, yeah. Apple podcast uh, Spotify um, anyway. Anchor Everywhere where podcasts are available everywhere. Um, <laughs> Yeah and while you're at it If you're interested uh, Go to Yeah, Visit us on the site Uh, Visit the YouTube channel. Subscribe if you like anything there. There's always helpful resources. We create this not for us, but for you. So um, look for those. Um, Pastor, we appreciate you. Thanks for, again, sharing all your wisdom, your history. I think there's a lot people can take away. All right, y'all.
1: With that said, love God, love people. We are out. Peace.